Hey guys, this is Saba Long, the host of Where the Party At, your favorite political podcast. I'm so excited to bring back our series, Who Runs Atlanta, where we are featuring this time the at-large candidates for the Atlanta School Board. There are five candidates and we've got all five doing interviews with us. Take a listen to these interviews and make sure you make an informed choice to vote on or before November 7th. Will Sarden, welcome to Where the Party At, Atlanta's favorite political podcast. How are you? I am doing great, doing great. Good. Excited to have you on. We're going to get into all the tough questions about who you are, why you're running, all that. But before we do it, we're going to start a segment that we call How Atlanta Are You? Okay. okay? All, right. all right. I know you're not, you're, are you an Atlanta native? I am not. I'm originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. I think you will still ace this even though you're not an Atlanta native. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first question, and we're going to do like a kid's friendly version, right? This is kids oriented. Okay. You have kids. I think you'll easily get this. What is, in your perspective, your mind, the best place in Atlanta to take a kid? I have three teenagers, so gosh. For them, it would be Lenox Square to go shopping. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, girl, what's the mix? Two boys and a girl. Two boys and a girl. Got it. And then thinking about those three kids when they were young, what was the book that they always wanted you to read? Oh, gosh. Um, when they were young. I'm assuming they don't want you to read to them now and you're no. teenagers, <laughs> right? So what was like the, you know, two-year-old, daddy, read me this book. What was that? Uh, it was the one about the, the paw prints, paw prints, walking through the snow this way, that way, follow where they go. So you're basically following along and trying to figure out where um, this this little animal was hiding. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what is... Um, a zoo animal that creeps you out. I'm assuming you're, you may have at some point taken your kids to the Atlanta Zoo. What's the animal that you're like, oh man, I I don't want to see that animal today. Oh gosh, I think it was more the smell than anything else. Elephants look nice, but being the the closer you get, the more <laughs> <laughs> the more you want to walk backwards. But yeah, oh, the gentle giant. Yeah, the gentle giant. The gentle giant. Um, let's see. What's another Atlanta kids-oriented uh, question? What would be the best job for a kid to have in Atlanta? If you're like 15, 16, getting your first job in Atlanta, what would be the best place to work? Oh, gosh. My kid, my, my two oldest, they work at Hollister. They're all about clothes. But, yeah, my daughter said she really wanted to be at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> that was her thing. I think they pay pretty well, too. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, cool. All right, so we got all the hard questions out the way. Okay, cool. <laughs> now we're going to go into just a little bit more about who you are. Will Sarden, you're running for elected office on the school board. Tell us what seat you're running for and why you're running. Well, I'm running for um, seat seven. It's um, it's the citywide um, seat. And I've always had an, 
I've always had a passion as far as public service. And you can tell by looking at my background as far as I've been a nurse for 30 years, an Air Force officer. I was in the Air Force for about 10 years. And always, I always enjoyed giving back. And I think it was just the need to actually give to the community, give back to the community, and to actually make a difference, make a positive difference. The reason I, I looked at the school board is I've got, as you know, I have three children. I have three teenagers. And I we have lived... In California, we've as well as here, and I've I've had a chance over from volunteering and whatnot, just simply being involved in the schools to see what works well and what doesn't work well. And one of the the recurring themes that I've heard is, you know, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And I'm like, well, if you are that concerned or if you really feel that passionately about something, it's time to actually throw your hat in the ring and actually get there and make a positive change from within and not just be the person who's just simply, you know, just really just saying something and not doing anything. Did the pandemic impact at all your desire to run? It did. It did. It did have, it did have a, uh, an impact. And one of the things I noticed over that year and a half, two years is that our children, even my cousin, and I'm, you know, I believe in really staying on top of them as far as making sure the classwork gets done and everything, but you could still start to see those gradual losses. They were incremental. And then towards the end, I was like, wow, you know, they really, even though they're doing the assignments that, that the teachers are telling them on the line and everything, I could still see that, that they were losing ground. They were lo- losing ground. And now the numbers, as we've seen now, when they started releasing the actual numbers where our kids are, you know, we, they've lost, some of them lost two, three years. Right. So we've talked about that and, and heard about that. What is the role of the school board in addressing learning loss the primary role of the school board you know of course you know is education you know that's 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 the, the reason we exist that's that you know you could you could you could boil it down to just one word education the school board needs to and, and just just from what I've just from what I've looked at, as far as the, the positive changes they can make is making sure that the resources are available and the support is available, so that the and to, to in order to identify the students that are at at, at risk. And unfortunately, it's p- children who are socioeconomically disadvantaged and the black and brown kids. Those are the ones that 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 were, it was. Of course, everyone was impacted, but we really really got hit hard as a community. Looking at it and said, "Hey, you know what is it? Whether it's reading, writing, math, whatnot. Let's get in there. Let's make sure whether it's kids staying after school, going to Saturday school, making sure that all those resources are channeled like you know, like a laser, like a laser focus to make sure they're getting back on track. When you have kids that are falling behind, the next thing happens is they they lose interest. If I'm supposed to, if I'm in the eighth grade and I'm only reading at the fourth grade level, how long am I going to stay interested in school?" Eventually, you're going to start. You're going to start having the discipline issues, the tardiness issues, the truancy issues. All of those things tie in together. And as a community and and, and as a board, we need to make sure that hey, let's stay on top of this now because we don't want to lose a generation. We don't want to lose a generation. What is the role of family and parents in addressing some of those challenges? We're the front line. We're the front line. With mine, you know. And you know, teenagers, they can, they can, they can try to wear you down. <laughs> they can try to wear you down. When I make a point of making sure that I'm always checking with my kids, even, you know, teenagers, they don't want to talk about nothing, nothing that we want to hear about anyway. It's usually, if you ask them about school, it's like, oh, it's fine. You know, you get the one or two word responses, but I always drill down. 
And I say, you know, hey, you know, I noticed that you didn't have this assignment that you didn't turn in. I noticed that, you know, you've been, you know, you've been sleepy. You know, you, you know, why, why are you sleepy going to school? Why are, the, why are the teachers talking to me about that? So it's really just making sure that you, we catch things early. As a parent, you, you're, you're the front line. Let's catch these things early and make sure that whether it's academic, whether it's a social issue, there are a lot of things, especially when you're talking about with, with kids as far as the interactions at school, that can be affecting, um, affecting their learning. So just the parents, you're just, you're just simply there to make sure that, that they're okay, that they're okay. Did you go to public school growing up? I did. I did. What have, what have you seen as the difference between your experience in public school versus your children's? First off, we didn't have computers. <laughs> no Chromebooks. No Chromebooks for us. It was all... You all had to write it pen down. And paper, pencil, was and paper. Was it in stone, or was it you did have paper? Uh, they got to they got to the paper later on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it was, I, for us, and you really, when you deal with paper and pencil, it's to me it seems like there's nothing like you know connecting the mind to the the pencil and the paper. It's a different experience than typing. It, and bless their heart, I, I I thank God that I didn't learn that way. You know, our kids they don't even know how to you know, sign their name. They don't know cursive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's, it's a totally different experience. Now, of course, there's some of the social things, of course, that's changed too. We had, of course, we had the bullying and the folks, you know, acting, acting, you know, cutting up also, but we didn't have the social media piece of it that they have to, because when I got home, I didn't have to worry about anybody bullying me or, you know, dealing with any of those issues. When I was home, I was home. There was no smartphones, none of that kind of stuff that, or Facebook, Instagram, whatever, right. you know, all of those types of things. So they have, they just simply have a lot of stressors to deal with that we just simply didn't have to do. That actually does affect their education. It affects their mental health. I was talking to some APS students uh, maybe around April or so, mm-hmm. earlier this year. And one of the things they said to me is that there are not enough counselors in the schools. And the ratios, I can't recall the number, but I remember it being wildly mm-hmm. low between the number of counselors and the number of students. Is that something that you would be interested in addressing as a school board member? You know, you, you know, you're 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 you're, you're talking to my, my language now. You know, I'm a, you know I'm a healthcare professional. You know, I'm a registered nurse, and I've been one for quite a while. And the mental health issues that the, the whether it's, you're talking about the um, the school counselors, the support staff, or the actual social workers, the mental health providers. One of the things that and and. And of course, and you know, I have to throw this in there too that even if you have the resources, and this is not an excuse, I'm just simply saying, if you have the resource, it's just simply hard to find those people. It's just, just the supply and demand. It's just a supply and demand issue. That being said, when you have those people in place, those pieces in place, they can pick up on stuff that you and I would casually we would miss. They would notice, hey, you know, Johnny was acting one way yesterday when he came to school now he just seems like he's a little bit more withdrawn you know what's going on you know what's going on here i've noticed that you know that you know the, the school uh, sally's coming to school dirty you know she's usually very clean very fastidious now she's coming to school dirty you know things like that you know um you know or so-and-so was you know they were they were you know tops in their class and all of a sudden they're starting to you know just slack off they're starting to get all f's all of a sudden these are things that we need to pick up on, you know, and with kids, they, especially when you talk about with kids, period, not just teenagers, they'll, they, instead of speaking out, they'll withdraw. That's the, that's the way they deal with it. They're not going to come to you and say, Hey, you know, Hey, 
you know, hey, Miss Saba, you know, this is going on with me at home. You pretty much have to pull it out of them. And those mental health workers, the social workers, the support staff, they can, they have the tools and they have the experience to catch these things early before it actually just spirals out of control. So the the current school board approved a $1.6 billion, with a B, dollar budget. Yes. What would be some of your priorities? We just talked about healthcare. Like, would that be an actual funding priority? What are other things that you would want to actually put money behind? Academic resources. Really, what we talked about just a moment ago, getting the kids back on track. One of those things, when you when a kid is, is performing at when they're comfortable and they're able to perform at grade level, when they're able to handle the tasks that are put before them academically, that affects their that affects their self esteem, their self worth. The mental health piece also; these are other factors. Even if the kid is doing well, you have to know you, you we have to treat the entire person. We have to we have to look at the entire individual. They can be doing well academically, but what are the some of the things we mentioned as far as mental health issues, those have to be addressed. Those have to be addressed because they don't go away. They don't go away. If you're being, if you're being abused, if you're being neglected, those things, it's a snowball. It's the snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you have a child that you look up one day and they just simply aren't even going to school at all. All of these things, you can't look at them as far as in a silo as they, they, they're all interconnected. So if you're dealing with um, academic funding, mental health issues, after school programs to make sure that the kids who don't have who don't have that extra social outlet, a positive social outlet, that's available to them. With a one point six billion dollar budget, it's not a question of whether or not you have the money. It's the whether it's a question of whether or not you have it's a priority for you. Got it. Um, what you know, a lot of folks don't know you, right? In okay. the sense, like you've yeah. never, I don't think, have run for my elected very first office time running for office ever in life. Ever. Wow. So can you just give us a little bit more background into what motivates you, like how you think, um, what are some things that you might read or resources that you go to to help shape your opinion about these types of issues? As far as what what drives me and what made, what how I, how I look as far as my problem solving skills and things of that nature, is that what you're kind of asking as far as? Yeah, that or, you know, like, I, you know, these are the types of folks that I go read to better understand this issue or you know, just give us a little bit more flavor of how you approach. It's, it's okay. a mix of like how you are approaching issues and then what is okay. influencing your thought process. Well, one of the things as far as that I've looked at on, you know, whether you're looking at a school board or any type of committees, any type of situation where you have, where you're working as a collective, you're working, you're working for a common goal as a group. Historically for me, I've, you know, I spent 15 years and, and as a, as a bedside nurse, you know, they're just getting their work on the front line and another 15 years in management. And my last job, which was, I was there for a little over 10 years. I worked, I, I worked in the, I worked for a large hospital um, corporation and it was a labor management partnership. So it was a, it was a union, um, it, it was a union um, type operation. We had, they had like a hundred thousand employees. So it was a very, it's all kind of all over the country. One of the things that I learned first, first and foremost, no matter how good an idea you have or a policy you have, if you don't have buy-in, if you don't have the group supporting you, 
if you're not able to sell your idea to them and not sell it in, in, in a negative way, but simply make sure that, that they understand your vision. If it's not if it's top down, if you, and I apply that to the school board, I may want mental health resources and we have the funding for it. I've got eight other people to convince. They'll say, well, why is this important? How does this affect our student population? Where are we going to get the money from and down the line? And, and vice versa, they, they, they may come to me with an idea. If we're not able to work as a group and I'm not, not, not able, and you, it's, it's not a question of trying to, you know, to strong arm somebody, whatever. People, people respond to you. What, what are your ideas on it? I come to them and say, hey, this is my idea. What do you think about it? How can we make it better? How can we change it for the better? How can we make sure that these monies are actually going to go towards the students and not get lost in administration? By the time it trickles down to them, the thousand dollars per student we had set aside, that's just an example, is now it's down to 200 bucks. How are we going to make sure that the money reaches, is, is reaching them effectively? And it's the same way with the bigger budget. You've got $1.6 billion and it's down to $22,000 per student. Where's all this, where did all this other money go? So do you think that the front office is bloated? That's a, that's a very kind word for it. <laughs> what, what would be the unkind <laughs> word? I think that it's, it's a bureaucracy. It's a very large bureaucracy. And the problem with um, any bureaucracy, whether you look at it on the federal, state, or, or local level is it feeds itself first before it feeds anything else. And how would you address that? What would you do? There has to be a serious there has to be a serious accounting is where are these dollars going? Why are we increasing the budget for administratively when the student population has gone down? Why do you need more money when you have less students? If we went from forty seven thousand well from fifty thousand students two years ago down to forty seven thousand, why is the why is why is the administrative budget going up forty million dollars? And there has to be a justification for it. Why do we need all these extra the, the, if you if you're if you if our students are failing, why are you being rewarded with more money? It, it has to make sense. And, I, and as, as a board member, I'd have to go to the parent and explain to them why we're incre increasing the, increasing the administrative, administrative budget and their, and their son can't read. That's, that seems the, fair. These, these are real world, these are real world um, situations. And as a board member, you're on the front line. If I'm going to Publix in Midtown, <laughs> I'm going I'm to see my constituents. Right. I'm not, it's not like I'm, it's not like we're in DC and they never see us. Mm -hmm. So I have, they're, and they're going to have, and I need to have answers. Well, why isn't this, why isn't this being done? Why? And, and I need to be, I need to be held to account. What are you hearing from parents as you go and campaign around the city? What are they saying to you? The main issue that I've heard, one one of the and I hear some of everything, <laughs> good and bad. And I think some people talk like I'm I'm already in office, and I tell them I'm not. I'm just running right now. But one of the things they just simply want to know that people are going to be held accountable. That's the main thing. Why is it that where our, our tax dollars or what? Why is it that our students aren't getting the resources in school, and there's nobody to answer to? Nobody's nobody's answering. And it's just simply they want to know that we hear them. And that we're actually going to make the changes that we say we're going to make. If nothing else, that we're going to address it and, and come back to them and say why it couldn't be done. Why do you think that people don't have a full understanding of what happens at the school board? What happens in Atlanta Public Schools? 
I would say that the main reason for that, or one of the reasons, is as a parent, and we have to be realistic, if, and even for me, during the day, whether I'm working or doing other things, it's hard to get around to, the school board only meets once a month. And very few of the board members go and do the, like the little town hall meetings and meeting out in the community. And for parents, if you're trying, if you're working one, two jobs, you got to come home, you got to cook, you got to clean, you got to do all that. It's hard to get that, um, to, to make that connection with the school board. You have to set, am I going to hire a babysitter? What am I going to do so I can get to that meeting in the afternoon? And it's the, usually the meetings are, it's at an, it's at an inopportune time if you were, if you're a working individual. Most so do you people, think the meeting should maybe be in the evening? I think so. I think so. Because we're not meeting for us per se. We're meeting for we're meeting for our constituents, for our stakeholders, which are the parents and the students. They can't break off during the middle of the day. As a city of Atlanta resident, is there something that you would like to see in a form of a partnership or intentionality between the mayor's office and the city council and the school board? As far as you, you mean, as far as them, work, some type of working relationship between all of them. Sure, uh, I know there's some conversation already, but are there particular things that you feel well, I would really want to see the city council or the mayor's office brought into this? Yes, and the main reason is that when you have the mayor's office is doing this. The city council is doing this and the school board is doing this. There, there needs to be some overlap. We need to know exactly because then you, because one of the issues is that when everyone is doing their own thing, you end up having redundancy. So if you, if you have an after school program that's already, be, that's already being funded by the school and the mayor's office say, I want to do this. What? No, you need to make sure you, let's put our monies together to make the whatever after school program that is better. Let's not let's not keep let's not duplicate resources and services because if there's any ex extra money that can be used for something else. So there has to be a collaboration. There has to be a collaborative effort between all three of them. There's no reason why there can't be. When you think about policy, um, what do you see is the role of the state in supporting what the school board needs to do and what the district needs to do to serve the citizens, serve mm -hmm. the public? For me, well, I, we we know the state gives. I think it's like is it? I want to say it's twenty percent of the school board's budget. It's something. It's, it's, it, the number fluctuates depend depending on um, the revenue projections for the year and whatnot for the state. But I want to be careful as far as how I answer this because I think that the further up the ladder you get. As far as when you ask about the, how the state, what the state's role will be, the further away you get from the actual student, the less effective it becomes. Because we already see what happens when you have a central planning, as far as the school board, and then they try to say, "All right, all right, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to have a program for all the schools in the city of Atlanta. This is the program we have." Well, the program that you may want, that you may need at um, um, Maynard High School, you may not need at Midtown High School. They may not have any interest in it. So local control. It's got to be that way. That's the only way. That's the only way for it, for it to be effective. Your principals and your teachers, they know what the school actually needs because they actually deal with the parents and the students on a on a very local level.
when the, the higher up you get, the less effective it becomes. What do you think is most broken in Atlanta public schools right now? It, it just it, it goes back to academics and our, our children failing as far as being at grade level. That's that's what it's just simply broken. And we and until we address that, it, everything else is 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 minor in in comparison. That's that's the core responsibility of our school system is to educate our children. And we're failing at that. That's broken. And we, I, you know, and, I, and I, I, I've heard, you know, other board members talk and whatnot, people who are already in there and everything. And they're talking about, well, all of these plans they have, people who are, and it's like, well, you are talking and you have, you know, I, I've, very eloquent speeches. I mean, if I was sitting, I would be in awe. But then when you look at the actual product, which is our students are still failing, well, yeah, I hear you, but let's face it, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not being successful. When you look at it on the corporate side, just looking at corporate America, if you work for, if, or if you, if you own a business mm-hmm. and you're, you're a sole proprietor, if every month your revenues are going down and you're saying that everything's wonderful, <laughs> guess what? At the end of that year, you probably won't be in business anymore. If you're if you're failing your students, and you're wondering why the, let's face it, our, a lot of the parents, you know, the the people who are most economically and social, as far as a, from a socioeconomic standard, they're going to stay in the school system. But you have the parents who are maybe middle class, upper middle class, or whatnot. They're going to they're going to go on to the, they're going to take their kids to they're going to go to a charter school, they're going to go to a private school, and you leave the other kids behind suffering and you know that's not fair whether you are whether you, no matter what zip code you're in no matter what your economic background the school the school system that that's that's your that's your saving grace it's it's our way for most of us that's how we get out of our whatever economic situation we're in i've come from um i'm, I'm the youngest of 10 the youngest of 10 but we didn't grow up poor we grew up po all right my parents let me know early on, <laughs> if you don't get your education, if you don't go on to college and do something, you know, this is where you're going to be. You can just look around and see that your situation, your lot in life isn't going to change. Are you going to, are, are you going to end up dropping out of school? Are you going to end up in jail? Are you going to end up dead? And this is the, the, and this unfortunately is what we're doing to our youth. These are the people who, who we say we, we, we care about, but we're giving them an inferior product. But your kids are in public school, right? My kids are in public school. My kids are in public and school. And why did you make that choice? I, for me, I, I guess it was, for me, it was, I grew up, I went to public school and I just, I know that they can, that, that they can deliver. You know, if they, if they are forced to it and you actually hold your teacher, hold the teachers to account. I'm on, I'm on the phone like this with my kids. If my teach, if my kids aren't doing something they're supposed to be doing, you got my email, you got my phone number, I can drive by, I, I, you know, whatever it takes, I want to make sure that happens. But, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate enough where I can actually, you know, take off or whatever and do that. A lot, I know a lot of parents, that's not realistic for most people. Yeah. Is there something that you can point to that you think APS is doing right? Something that really should be highlighted? I think that their, fo- their focus on diversity, as far as making sure that, you and, and I think it gets diversity nowadays. It seems like it's, it's kind of getting a, a bum rap, but where, it's not just diversity as far as culturally, 
um, whether, whether whether what country you're from, whether what your socioeconomic background is, what your um, ethnicity is, it's also diversity of thought. When you're around other people who are who are different from you, it 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 t- actually teaches you as far as other cultures and how to how to navigate the world, how to navigate the world. It teaches you empathy. When you, I, I can think of you know just experience I had just in college. When my my roommate was from Brazil, and just you know some of the things, some of the stories I would hear as far as you know, I was like, well, I would have never thought that. I would have, you know, cu- culturally, just things that they, how they grew up. And he didn't grow up poor, but it was just different. And, you know, that's a rich experience. And this was, you know, I graduated quite a while ago, and I still remember some of those stories. And, and you know, we talk every now and then still. But, you know, it, just that, you know, and it's that, you know, Atlanta gets that head, hands down. We're in a urban environment that is extremely culturally diverse. And that's, you know, that's a, a pretty rich experience for our students. Does book bans or the critical race theory conversation, what's your take on all of that? I think book bans is stupid. I think it's stupid. And and I should, maybe I shouldn't use the word stupid. But it's self-defeating. If That's a good one. If you tell a student, let, let's face it. I don't know if you, you have siblings. I'll probably, if, you t- if you tell them not to read this, what are they going to do? They're going to go pick it up. Exactly. And they, whether they have to go on the internet and do it or whatever. So it's just, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And as far as critical race theory, I think that it's important for us to know our history. You know, I, it, it's, it's, it's important for us to know our history. And a lot of times, you know, it, and it can't be watered down as far as in our, because when I look at the history book, see, even when I was growing up, we get a paragraph in, in the history book. We've been around since the beginning of the country, the founding of the actually before that, and so we have a very, very long history as far as everything in this in this country we've touched. As far as whether it's it's laying out the the um, the traffic light system in 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 in, in D.C. or you know it's first open heart surgery. It goes on and on and on as far as our accomplishments. So yeah, I mean it's important that our kids know that, especially today, because we have a lot of kids. They have no idea the greatness and the, and the things that, that that came before them. You know, it's not all about you know this this pop culture. That's not the real world. Our kids need to know that they come from greatness. Kind of switching gears to focus on the election itself. Okay. Um, we know that early voting turnout is pretty low so far, mm-hmm. but there's still time to for people to go vote. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the barrier why people are not paying attention to this election it's an off-year election i guess that's one thing but people i don't know if it's that because even my neighbors i was like i was going out to canvas the other day and they were like oh an election <laughs> like, there's an election <laughs> I'm like, where have you been but it's i don't i don't Is get there it something that can be done or should be done to help boost public interest and public awareness well i mean even the, the city they're putting up the ads on yeah i see the ads advertisements on television on the radio and everything but i don't know how to really get people motivated it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy it's kind of great and i you know i voted the other day and it was like crickets when i went there i went to the um the library one of, huh the, uh, library? the one in adamsville rec, rec center i went oh, over there mm-hmm. to that one and i think there might have been two people there other than myself it was just right basically us and the poll workers Wow. Yeah, that's that's scary. And how yes. are you? You've never run for public office. Never run for public so, office. So, and you're running citywide, which is not easy. No, it's not. 
how are you getting your message out? Where are you doing? Where do you, how do you feel things are at this point? You know, I, I'll tell you, I've just, I'm having a ball. I'm just enjoying it. You know, the, the experience of it, I've got, you know, my, my kids are out there with me every now and then and I have family members and friends that they help out, but I've been all over, the, I've been all over town, you know, doing the signs and just stand out on the street corner, holding the sign up, looking crazy, you know, waving at people, um, going to the, a lot of the festivals and it's just been, and, you know, again, like, as you said, you know, citywide, it, it is a challenge. It is a challenge, but it's, you know, that it's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, anybody would do it. Right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Um, just really, you know, um, as far as I just simply one one of the you asked me about what one of my constituents they were talking about they were talking to me and they were talking about their their son being you know LGBT they they have a son that's, that that is gay and they, just really having representation in school you know and I said I'm a black guy and I, and I really you know as far as being out I've been out all my life I've never been. People ask me, "Have you? When did you come out?" I, said, I don't remember being in, but that's big. And you so, were in the military, yeah. And so, but now, of course, in the military, it was. I was the don't ask, don't tell era. Don't ask, don't tell era. But yeah, so I mean, just really, just having the representation out there and really showing that you know that you can make a positive difference no matter what your background, whether you come from nothing, with you know dirt poor from uh, from Chattanooga, um, you know you can you can you can graduate from college, you can be. Um, you could be an Air Force officer in the reserves. You can, you know, I, me and my ex, um, my ex-husband, we adopted, we have three kids. They're all teenagers now. I mean, you can have a, you can have a, you can be a productive member of society regardless of your background. And just really want to put that out there that, you know, that it, it's, you know, whatever you want, to, if you're willing to take the risk, if you're willing to, to really give it 110%, there's nothing you can't achieve. I remember watching, this is a, I'm dating myself on this one, but I remember being a little kid and watching the Jeffersons and saying, oh, my God, people actually live like that. And being and, and I know it was a comedy, but I was like, wow, you know, these are black folk who are who don't live check to check, who really don't have, you know, the, you know, some of the, the more mundane you know, concerns that, you know, some people deal with. And just realizing that, hey, if I get an education, if I do, you know, if I get, really put myself out there and actually strive to be successful, it can happen. It can happen. By the way, what brought you to Atlanta? I, oh, you want the whole story or half the story? Three quarters of it. Three quarters story. of it. <laughs> I remember going to a, Chattanooga um, is, small. has a very small minority population. I'll put it that way. How's that sound? Yeah. I remember going to a field trip here in Atlanta. And I think I was in like the ninth grade. And they were like, oh, you're going to ride the train. You're going to do this and that. It was my school's a field trip. And I remember seeing, I had never seen a black postman before. Mm. And then I saw black people in suits downtown and, you know, just all of this, this other light, it just opened. It's like a light bulb went off for mm -hmm. me. I was like, wow, wow. I said, when I graduate from high school, I'm going to college. I'm going to college in Atlanta. And then I, I, I moved here um, a little while after college and I went to Emory University. I graduated from there. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that's it. So what we would like for you to do is you look in this camera. Okay. And you'll just direct, yeah, directly in this camera, okay. just say your name, why you're running, why someone should vote for you. Maybe give your campaign website or okay. social media handle. Just almost think of this like if you're at a debate and miss that that one minute, okay. you know, recap. 
Cool beans. Cool beans. It's all you. All right. Let me know when y'all ready for me. You're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. My name is Will Sardin, and I am running for the Atlanta Board of Education, seat seven citywide. I am a proud father of three teenage kids. I'm I've been a registered nurse for 30 years, and I'm an Air Force officer. I The reason I'm running for school board is I want to make a change. I want to make a difference. I see what can I see when you have people who are willing to put themselves out there and make a positive change for the better. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Our children currently are failing academically in the school system, and it's going to take a true vision, someone who's willing to make that most positive changes help them out. Our children deserve nothing less than a, a quality education and to be successful in life. Thank you. Oh, and my website is sergeantforatlantaschools.com and you can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm all over there and looking forward to you all voting for me, hopefully for me. And let's get out there. Let's get out there. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for taking the time to tell people more about who you are and why they should vote for you. All right. All right. And you've been most gracious, both of you. I really appreciate you all allowing me this platform, this platform, because we need to get out there. As, as you said, people need to go vote. They need That's to go right. vote because if you don't vote, you don't count. There you go.